Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No one expects to have a stroke. Many of us go through life thinking we're always healthy enough to beat the odds. But the odds aren't always fair. Anyone can have a stroke, and many people do. The American Heart Association reports that heart disease and stroke kill more people each year in the U.S. than all types of cancer and chronic lower respiratory disease combined. Most people are unaware that they have some degree of risk. A stroke can happen to anyone of any age at any time. And that's why they call it a stroke. It's like a stroke of lightning. One minute everything's fine, and then suddenly something is taken from you. And every single minute matters in order to recognize and then respond by calling 911 to gain access to the time-sensitive treatments that are available to help reduce the long-term disability associated with stroke. That's Dr. Cheryl Martin-Schild, the Stroke Medical Director for the Louisiana Emergency Response Network. And those strokes can happen at any age. She says your risk increases as you get older. The longer you live, the longer you have to have organs fail, and most importantly, the heart and the arteries themselves. So blockages are definitely more likely to occur in someone of advanced age than someone who hasn't had high blood pressure for 40 plus years. There are numerous factors that can lead to a stroke, but Martin Schild says the most frequent cause usually involves structural or functional changes in the heart. This variation leads to blood clots that can get into the brain and cause blockages. The most frequent reason for someone to develop a structural problem with their heart is long-standing high blood pressure. So that's a major trigger for remodeling as the heart tries to handle the extra pressure. And it leads to some thickening of the heart and then stretching of the heart and then valves can fail. And then chambers can get so big that they start contracting inappropriately, something called atrial fibrillation, which is a very common reason for a stroke to develop in someone of advanced age. And though high blood pressure is often a product of an unhealthy lifestyle, that doesn't mean that the fittest person on earth is safe. Eight years ago, Megan McKee was an active woman who had just entered her 30s. She maintained a healthy diet and made it to the gym even on weekends. On a Sunday, just like any other, McKee and her husband decided to watch a movie after her early morning spin class. As she reached over to grab a water bottle from the nightstand, McKee watched as her left hand went limp. Weird, but nothing to think twice about in the moment. I went for with my right hand and tried to take a sip of water, and then I choked on the water, and I just I couldn't drink it. I was like, oh, this is weird. Again, this is just strange. This is weird. What's going on? And so then I got up, I tried to walk, and my husband was like, something's wrong. He's like, you're not okay. He's like, you're not moving your leg. And anyway, so then he sat me down and immediately called EMS to get me because he realized that my left side of my face was dripping down. And my left leg was, when I was trying to walk, was dragging behind me. And it was just flaccid. It was very weak and I couldn't walk. And so he knew actually in that moment what was going on, even though I couldn't see the symptoms happening in my own self. McKee was suffering from a symptom called spatial neglect. 
The stroke caused her to be unaware of anything happening on the left side of her body. I remember being in the EMS and they're like, we think you're having a stroke. And I was like, there's no way I can be having a stroke. You know, I'm 31. There's no way this is going to be happening. And I'm doing all the right things. And they put my arms up and my left arm like dropped down. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm having a stroke. Even though McKee didn't realize what was happening in the moment, she's lucky that her husband was able to recognize the symptoms and get her care as quickly as possible. Acting fast can be the difference between life and death. So Martin Schild says everyone needs to know the signs. All you have to remember is the acronym BFAST. So the B stands for a sudden problem with balance. The E is any sudden problem with your eyesight. Don't think I need to make an appointment with my eye doctor. If it happens suddenly, think stroke. The F is any weakness or numbness involving one side of the face. The A is for appendage, so arm or leg, weakness, numbness, or clumsiness that develops suddenly. The S is for speech, and T is for you to remember that time is so important. Every minute matters during a stroke. Time is the biggest one. And that I cannot stress enough because, again, the only reason that I'm here today in the state that I am, working full time, twin daughters that are four, still running, still exercising, still doing everything is because of getting treatment very fast. Once you call 911, Martin Schild says the best thing you can do while you wait is give reassurance. Gathering important phone numbers of family members or a list of medications can also be helpful, but there's nothing else you can do. In fact, she warns against putting anything in the person's mouth, like some people would assume to do. Unlike a heart attack where you ask somebody to chew up an aspirin quickly, there's not any value to doing that for someone who's having a stroke. And like, you can't tell if someone is having the bleeding kind of stroke or the clotting kind. And if you give aspirin, you can make it worse. And they may have trouble swallowing and have that aspirin end up in their lungs. Once the ambulance arrives and they're taken to the hospital, physicians have to quickly determine what type of stroke is occurring and which course of treatment will work. Every minute matters. There are medications that can be given, sometimes procedures are necessary, and then sometimes the cause of the stroke is a bleed. And so lowering the blood pressure is necessary, sometimes giving medicines to reverse anticoagulants, which people call blood thinners. And then sometimes you even need surgery. But all these decisions have to be made quickly while we can still make a difference for someone. During McKee's stroke, the doctors were able to get her the correct medication before performing a thrombectomy. The surgery removes blood clots from arteries and veins. In my head, it felt like it was very quickly. But when you talk to my family, they said it was lots of hours. I think it was about six hours or so. It felt much faster than that, to be very honest. But for them, they said it was much longer. Within 18 hours, McKee was standing up and walking around the nurse's station. The left side of her face still drooped, and she still felt some residual weakness. But her husband's fast acting had saved her life. If my husband had written off my symptoms, I mean, who knows what would have happened. At that time in her career, McKee had been working as a physical therapist, helping to rehabilitate stroke survivors. Since she had all of this previous knowledge, McKee was able to do most of her rehabilitation on her own. I think that seeing what people went through and how much disability was caused by their personal strokes made me motivated to work, but also a sense of guilt, to be very honest. You know, like, why me? Why was I so fortunate to not have these tremendous impairments? This thought process changed McKee's entire perspective. 
turning her into an advocate for stroke awareness and helping others realize if they're at an increased risk. For example, many people may assume that a family history plays a part in this risk, but Martin Schild says that that connection is more complicated than you'd think. Some of it is shared behavioral changes like diet and exercise or not exercising. And then some of it is because of the links between genetics and high blood pressure and diabetes and high cholesterol, et cetera. So it is complex, but yes, having a family history is a risk factor for having a stroke. For McKee, her risks stem from a hole in her heart that she'd had since birth. It's called a PFO or an ASD, however you want to say it. It's essentially a hole between the two top chambers of the heart. It allows blood to mix, oxygenated blood and deoxygenated blood. And that's what caused the mixing of the blood and the thrombus to occur that, that caused the clots in my brain. They found it when I was 16. They had told me, you know, just stay active and healthy and do the things and we'll just watch it. And, you know, I was borderline closure at that point. And I actually had one physician say, he's like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so after I had my stroke, I said, I think it broke. (laughs) I think it's time. McKee underwent heart surgery to repair the hole after her stroke, which drastically reduces her chance of having a second stroke later on. The American Stroke Association estimates that one in four stroke survivors will have another stroke. So any preventative measures you can take is worth lowering that risk. Martin Schild says exercise and diet are the most important preventative components. They both help control factors such as high blood pressure, diabetes, and cholesterol. However, if you only remember one piece of information, Martin Schild hopes that it's to act fast. Every minute matters. Up to 2 million brain cells die with each minute that passes during a stroke. And so you want to get emergency care so that you can stop that process from happening, which can minimize the injury. Some people will get complete recovery, but every minute that you wait, the opportunity for that goes down. So it's incredibly important to recognize the moment somebody has a sudden symptom to just go ahead and call 911, it's okay to overreact and be told, oh, it was just this or, oh, it was just this. But you don't want to miss an opportunity to stop a stroke from happening and live long term with the repercussions. I mean, it's the number one reason for new adult disability. The more that people can educate themselves, educate others, and notice what's going on within their own bodies or their family or friends or even a stranger in their supermarket, and we can get timely intervention and treatment, I think we'll be better as individuals and as a society. You can learn more about strokes on the website strokeawareness.com. For more information about Dr. Cheryl Martin-Schild, Megan McKee, and all of our guests, visit our website, radiohealthjournal.org. You can find more behind-the-scenes content by following Radio Health Journal on Facebook, Instagram, and X. Our writer-producer is Kristen Farah. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. I'm Elizabeth Westfield. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal... So seizures are more common in either younger age group or older age group. But as I tell my patients, anybody who has a brain can have a seizure. Are you at risk for a sudden seizure? Then, a look into the life of a trauma surgeon. It is inevitable patients are going to die. They come in dying and you do everything you can and they're not going to always survive. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. 
Elizabeth Westfield, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. There was lots of little moments, things like me asking my four-year-old son to come sit on my lap and him saying, no, mom, you smell bad and your teeth are purple. She was a corporate success, but behind closed doors, she was downing two bottles of wine a day. Then they pushed me, shoved me, kicked me, punched me, jabbed me with the American flags attached to the flagpole. A former Capitol Police sergeant recounts the traumatic events of January 6th. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal.